This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. Wow, episode 197. Can you believe it? Only around three episodes away uh, from the big 200. Started this podcast in March of 2011. It's been literally almost nine years now. I think it'll be nine years next year. This is just absolutely crazy. Can't believe it's gone on this long. Wanted to thank all the people that support the show, of course, all the people that support me on Patreon. Uh, if you're one of the people that listen to the show, of course, and you like the content, please throw a few bucks my way at patreon.com forward slash AHP. As little as five bucks, you can support the show. Uh, you'll get basically all the podcasts in advance of all of the listeners. And we are having quite a significant discussion over there on several different things, especially surrounding uh, the Port Arthur interview that I just did before this one. Uh, I was asking the Patreon supporters what they thought about it. I gave them a pre-listen before I released it to anyone else, just to see to make sure that they liked it and to make sure that I was able to be able to release that uh, to my listeners. And uh, they were a good sounding board. So I appreciate all those guys uh, on Patreon that do support the show. Thank you very much. We've been having a lot of chats recently. And uh, it's been great, and they've been giving their ideas on what they want to see on the show and moving forward. So thank you to all those guys. If you want to come on board, please do. We'd love to have you. So today, coming onto the show, I think this will probably mark him the most capped podcast person that I've actually interviewed uh, in all episodes of AHP. His name is Jason Spencer. If you don't know him, he's from Hunt, Catch, Cook. And uh, he was on episodes 36, 46, and 125, talking about everything about game meat preparation, uh, knives, cooking, recipes, you name it, we talk about it. So we've got some great content to talk about today. And we are going to talk about some other aspects of hunting shooting with your friends that will leave just for a little bit later i think it's very important uh to address a couple of these things and and the benefits of going out hunting shooting and fishing and everyone knows how hard it is to to get a deer and then or, or an animal and then break that animal down gut it take all the meat you know it can be quite an arduous task for a lot of different people and it certainly was for me as well and uh, I've learned a lot of techniques over the years. Of course, I'm still not the best at, you know, caping deer or skinning them correctly or, you know, gutting them in an exactly perfect way. But, you know, what I have done is been able to bring that meat uh, from the field to the table. And ultimately, that's the most important thing. A lot of you guys see me posting on Facebook. Uh, things like the sausages I've been making, obviously the backstraps. I'm actually going to make some backstraps tonight into some schnitzels, so that's going to be fantastic. Got a few friends coming over for that. And you know what? Every time I pretty much go into a butcher shop, I give those guys a lot of respect because they know exactly where every muscle is, every seam, you know, everything on an animal to break that animal down. And it definitely is a skill you should learn. So we're going to talk a bit about gutting and a few of those things today with Jason Spencer from Hunt, Catch, Cook. And uh, he's a great bloke. He puts back a lot into the community a lot of his own time and teaching people how to cook game meat and doing all types of things i even tried some of his famous uh, horse jerky at uh, i think it was last year's double s double a shot expo in sydney and uh, honestly you wouldn't even tell it was horse and you know what horse tastes <laughs> absolutely fantastic i might add so uh, i'm gonna bring him onto the show all right jason spencer welcome back to the australian hunting podcast representing hunt catch cook thanks for joining me again i think uh you'll be the most cat player on ahp coming up with this episode 197 i think they call that uh when you're elite sportsman now jace i think i'm in the elite group 
Um, I'm out. Well, like an Olympic gold medalist, mate. Um, <laughs> but but funny you say that because um, hand in hand with hunting comes eating and uh, and and uh, having a good time with your mates. So you know, I not that I expected to be up here, and I'm privileged to be doing four times at uh, Australian Hunting Podcast. I love the show, mate. I love what it's all about. It's good to be back. Thanks, Jase. No worries. What have you been up to since the uh, last time we spoke? Just give us a bit of a rundown, I guess, what's been happening. Yeah. Mate, I'd like to say a lot of animals have survived, but they haven't. Uh, my freezer's full, and, um, you know, it, it's been good. I've, I've done a lot. Um, one of the big things was uh, a, t- a reality TV show. Uh, you are, it's like you are what you eat, um, very similar to what we have in Australia. It was a Thai show. Um, uh, aired over in Thailand and they, um, through Facebook, somebody gave me a call and I caught up with um, uh, some uh, Thai film crew. We went out and caught some marin, which WA uh, freshwater crayfish. And uh, it was in season and uh, it was actually on private property and we caught a heap of marin. I came back and I've got a little bit of a studio happening, which I'll I'll, um, I'll run into that uh, later on through this show. But uh, And we did a cook-up. I think I cooked a, a marin in a salsa a little bit of a vinaigrette sort of uh, salsa with some native uh, native leaves in there and uh, gave them a taste of WA, gave them a taste of Australia, I suppose, and, it, uh, well, a taste of WA. Something uh, – they enjoyed it, everyone enjoyed it, and uh, I got to uh, get on a little bit of TV. Other than that, um, my third book's in the, in the firing line, um, and I'll – yeah, I suppose throughout the show we'll, we'll I'll talk a bit more about that and um, and a bit of YouTube happening. I'm trying to get into YouTube filming. I've done a lot of live filming. If you follow me on Facebook, for all the guys out there that follow me on Facebook, I love doing live shows. So raw in the kitchen, um, you know, you see what happens. There's no smoke and mirrors at Hunt, Catch, Cook. I'm all about getting that game meat, bringing it home, showing people how to cook it, showing what you can do with that game meat, fish, the seafood, the shellfish, um, you know, preparation and putting good food on the table, not just rubbish, mate, good food on the table for your family and your friends to eat. Absolutely, man. You said just then freezers full of uh, animals. Which one? What have you got in the freezer? What have you been hunting? Mate, lots in there. Um, I've Well, so my hunting runs in season. So, uh, you know, we're just coming – we're up off the back of summer in the minute. It's pretty cold over here in WA, but we're off the back of summer. So it's a lot of um, diving. I've been, uh, you know, I think I spent, I've just said to someone yesterday, I've spent the whole of summer underwater. I'm pretty sure of it. I've done a lot of night diving. Uh, local, you know, the Swan River, for those people who uh, know much about WA, so Swan River, diving in the swan at night time for um, prawns, um, crabs, um, getting some mussels uh, off the coast, um, scallops, so a little scallop spot, some abalone, Crayfish, um, you know, blue swimmer crabs down south around Mandra in the estuaries. Um, so uh, fish, you know, the whiting, the salmon we're on. I've been to a salmon comp uh, the last couple of months. So we've been uh, – you tend to start um, getting into that fishing side of things and now the uh, weather's cooled down over here. We're dropping temperatures, so at the moment uh, lots of rain. So I'm uh, out doing a little bit of pig hunting, a bit of trapping, I, um, I've also been, uh, you know, uh, goats and so forth. So I've, I've got a bit of everything in there, a bit of everything, and it's filling up. It's great, really good. Have you been diving for a while? I know a lot of guys. There's no way, I'm telling you, you could get me in the water at night time, mate. You'd barely get me in the water with sharks 
Probably even in the daytime, man. So what's it like well, diving so, at night, man? That scares the shit out of me just thinking about it. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a little trick to it, Jace. You've got to go with a skinny bloke. So if, you're, <laughs> if you've got a few kilos on and you're out down there diving, the shark is going to take the bite out of the skinny kid first, mate. You know, that's a better meal than the big fatty. So I'm thinking if I go diving, I always go with the skinny kids, mate. They get bitten first, I swim away. Yeah, I so you got to you got to look at you you got to look at the winds, mate. Every time I think about going over there, I always hear about stories, especially in WA, South Australia, great whites. I'm like that just scares the shit out of me just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, funny funny story. Uh, I was diving with one of my friends, um, and it was salmon season, and we were um, scuba diving down in a little place called Hamlin Bay. Now Hamlin Bay is uh, about three hours south of Perth. Uh, but, well, the Margaret River um, down around that area, Margaret River Winery, for those people that got a fair idea about over here in the West Coast. Um, and the salmon are prolific through there. So there's a big salmon run through there. And, and following the salmon, follow, the sharks follow on. So we uh, we thought, look, we'll go for a dive. Uh, sharks are going to be full on salmon. So we'll go for a dive and see if we can get some crayfish. So uh, we're underwater. And we're, I said, look, give me the, uh, the, well, the gidgey. And uh, if we see any fish, I can get you a fish or whatever, and, and you take the cray loop, and we'll go and get some crays, and and uh, we're all good, you know. Anyway, we're swimming around and and going in and out the caves and coral and around the around the uh, reef and stuff. And uh, I turned around and I've lost my dive buddy. He's gone. So I thought, well, I'll go and have a look for him. And and uh, I'm swimming around. I've got the gidgey in my hand. I'm swimming around, and um, I thought, oh look, there's something in there. So I had a look under the ledge, and and I've got me me back out into the open water and straight straight onto my leg. I just felt this big, you know, bang straight on my leg. I didn't know, but it was him. He's grabbing a leg. So I've done a barrel roll, instinctively done a barrel roll and thrown the gidgey at him. And um, <laughs> right. it, yeah, and uh, I could actually hear him screaming underwater. But uh, he caught it. He caught the gidgey and um, we lived to tell the tale. Anyway, we were just having a good time and, uh, yeah, Guess what he won't do again? Scare me underwater, mate. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That would yeah. scare the absolute. <laughs> yeah. just, I'm happy with the, uh, you know, where it's not very deep and stuff like that, but uh, I've heard too many stories, man. I know, yeah, it just scares the shit out of me thinking about it. And night, and night diving, <laughs> I mean, you can't see, you know, what, two feet in front of you? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. no. Yeah, yeah it's good fun, mate. You've got to live on the edge, hey? It's good fun. You've, you've just got to get out there. It's all part of it, mate. Yeah, I know. You're exactly right, mate. You've been doing a lot of, I guess you say, what, you know, out in the ocean. When you say hunting, more hunting, no shooting, and no, like, you know, going to the range or play targets um, or anything like that, or no? I, I steer clear of the range a fair bit. Um, not that I, I do charity events at the range, and I'll do a lot of cooking uh, events at ranges. People have, um, you know, they have range days and say, oh, can you come along and do a little bit of cooking for us? And, just as a charity. Um, I help out little charities um, throughout WA. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I don't mind that, and I'll have a blast at the range. I enjoy, you know, any type of shooting. And if I'm at, a say, a handgun range or something, I'll jump on the handguns or, um, you know, a- any of that sort of thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for it and, uh, and love the range. And I believe that, um, you know, if you're duck hunting and, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting the eye in, 
uh, and practice because practice makes perfect at the end of the day and and even citing in firearms if you think your firearms out and you're not going to make a clean kill then go down sure go down and have a bit of a um, a practice at the range, you know, sight it in, make sure it's all good, make sure you're 100% safe and you're happy and you're comfortable with your firearm because that's where the biggest problem comes into it when, you, when you're hunting game meat, missing shots and taking poor shots uh, and end up damaging the meat. So saying that um, I've done a little bit of uh, range time, I suppose, or targets, but not a lot. I, I'd love to do more, but not a lot. Um my hunting-wise, I've recently just come back from a goat hunt up north and um, that was more, you know, slugging around on foot. Uh, then you were driving a little bit and then get out and slug around on foot again and have a look around and, and um, yeah, doing, doing a bit of goat hunting. Um, and in the last couple of months, the end of the dry there before the rains come in, um, wild pigs. And there was a massive, uh, massive outburst of wild pigs and, and the property that I, was, I usually hunt on. And I had a contract from a farmer there that we want these wild pigs cleaned up. And I think I, I trapped and shot uh, 24 in two weeks. Nice. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're just, and that was in the same paddock, you know. And uh, there was a few that were very small, but there was a few that are uh, pretty, yeah. And, and they're all in my freezer. So, um, yeah, I ate them. So that's good. How are you – interesting question. How are you processing all that meat? I mean, if you get a lot of deer uh, – sorry, goats or deer or whatever it may be, not many deer yeah. over in WA per se, but even pigs, how are you preparing them and obviously to, to put them in your freezer and tell people what you might need to be able to do that, especially if you get a lot of animals? So um, you obviously need a bit of fridge. Uh, really, it's fridge room. Um, you know, that's, that's an important part of it. Fridge room helps prepare uh, animals or, or somewhere to cool the animal down, okay? So – what we were doing, uh, bring him home, hanging him. Uh, got a, fair, a nice cool back patio, so hang him on the patio uh, if you've got a skin or, or whatever, uh, and, and prep him in that area. They were field dressed, so we're taking uh, taking the guts out out in the field, um, and then you know any and, and check obviously check him, give him a little bit of a check over in the liver, the kidneys, um, have a look at the intestines and so forth. Anything else that had to come out. So these were in very 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 good condition. So some of the livers I kept, I kept some of the hearts out of them as well. Um, and people will find this hard to believe, it being a wild pig, but these are in a good condition. They really are. Um, so I bought some of the offal home um, and obviously the whole carcass, uh, skin on, um, got it home, hung it out in the back patio uh, for a little while uh, while I prepared everything that I need to prepare, skin it um, and then refrigerate it. And, um, and get the meat to set or cut it up into primal cuts. So back legs off, um, we're going into, say, prosciuttos or belly out, going into ham. So uh, four quarters, we're getting boned out, rolled into roasts, or four quarters going through the mincer. If they're only small pigs, I was putting all the little tiny ones through the mincer, just boning them out. Dog bones were going to the dogs or bones were going into pots for soup or stock. Um yeah, uh, hearts were getting chopped up and eaten that way, fried or marinated. Uh, livers were patés or um, sliced and cooked up into, um, you know, various dishes. Um, you might use the kidneys in, in uh, say, steak and kidney pie. Um, some of the fat, if it had any fat on it, we'll keep it in a bag for sausages. Uh, so this month, if we're doing salamis or we use a little bit of the, the fat of wild pigs if we if we can't add some normal fat to it from the butcher shop or something. I don't know uh, if we run out of fat. 
But, um, so you tend to use if you if you get a process and plan it and think about it a little bit better than than rushing into it. The one one of the hot pigs we uh, put on a spit and spit roasted it. Uh, three families come around and we all ate uh, wild pork and that was um, just covered in a simple uh, olive oil. Um, I think we had a, a little bit of rosemary in it. Um, there was some lemon juice and olive oil and you know a few basic uh, barbecue seasoning all mixed up into a into a basting and we and we just oh sorry apple cider vinegar went on it uh, or some apple cider and uh, just give it a bit of a spray or a base with a brush uh, or a rosemary rosemary stick um, you know a stick of rosemary leaves and you, and you just use it like a paintbrush so you leave that on for a few hours and, and base it all then you have a spit roast wild pig. And, you know, things like that. So you see, you fairly, you get through them. It's not only me that was eating and family and friends and so forth. And, and um, yeah, it's not hard to get through a, a fair few animals. And also then, uh, you know, those primal cuts, you've got, um, you know, the, the really good stuff um, you put in the freezer and have a big box freezer and, and keep it. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. I was going to ask you a good question about that. Now, a lot of people don't have access to, you know, a big fridge or a freezer or a mobile one, for an example. But, you know, like people go out, even myself, I think I've only got a maybe a 100 litre or maybe even a 90 litre esky. So it might fit maybe two small goats in it on a trip and maybe that's about it. Or maybe one to two good size or okay size deer. So when you get that amount, if you go out, say, on a trip like when you went up north and you're shooting goats, you know, if you have four guys and you shoot 20, I mean, what do people need in regards to fridges and freezers i think this is a good you know we're already down the rabbit hole away from our first question which is fantastic so what do people need you know i've got a tucker box freezer i think mine's only about 120 liters or so but what do people need especially if they need to cool the animal down and maybe want to sit cuts there for a week just to let them you know let them sort of mellow out over say seven to ten days yeah sure so what um what would be the ideal thing so you've got five guys and you plan to shoot around 20 goats for say just for instance okay yeah so what i'd pack is a big esky really big esky uh and you want to call in as soon as you can somewhere uh to to get some ice take some ice um say close as you can to your hunting property. So last service station before you get out into the bush or somewhere like that, or if you've got an angle, take some ice with you um, or, or some, some way of taking something cool, um, make a slurry in the bottom of your – or not necessarily make a slurry because by the time you finish shooting, it'll be into a ice slurry. So what you're going to do also is take uh, something to hang your your goats on. You want uh, a nut, something – enough to hang five goats on, so five gambles maybe or a long broomstick or a long rod that you can hang, put it through the hocks and hang five goats at the same time and five, say, five bed sheets or something like that. Uh, and this is for, say, somewhere that you haven't got, if you're out in the bush and you haven't got, I'm talking about if I went out there and I was roughing it out in the bush and I hadn't got anywhere undercover to hang the animals. So I'd get out there. Uh, so shoot the goats. I would uh, leave skin on for the time for the time being and gut it and remove the guts, so forth. I keep any or I check and keep any organs that I wanted to keep. So if you wanted to keep, say the lamb's fry, the the liver, 
um, if you thought the kidneys were good or use some gall fat or, I don't know, so, something you wanted to keep out of the goat, you keep that, put it in a bag, put it on in your ice because um, you remember your ice is going to turn into a slurry over the last few days, okay? So you, say you're out there for a few days, you've killed the goat, um, then um, say you, you want five, five goats, there's 20 blokes, five goats, you've taken a bit of rod or a bit of stick or something, you've shot your five goats, you hung your five goats up, Dip a sheet in some water, you know, um, a, a bed sheet, hang it around the goat, a couple of clothes pegs on top. So your goat's going to have skin on, um, open cavity, and peg it up at the bottom so no flies get in. So you've got a cold sheet under a shady tree, um, and it's going to keep the flies out, and it's going to keep a bit of breeze on it. It's going to blow through Is it. Is that any time of the year, summer or winter, or preferably? Yes, yeah, so te- pre- preferably winter. Um, the springy sorts, you don't want it middle of summer. You want to break it down and get it within 24 hours, even in some bags and into into that ice, onto that ice in summer. You can't really do that in summertime. You can't leave things out in the open in summertime like you would um, wintry, cooler days. I'm talking about this time of the year. So say if it was in summer, I'd um, pull the skin off. I'd I'd skin the goat, like gut it, skin it, um, and break it down into quarters or halves if you can fit it into, depending on the size of the goat, uh, if you can fit it into some big heavy bags and then heavy bags into your freezer, just sit them on the ice. So uh, once again, don't forget your ice is going to go into a slurry and if you can keep the water off the meat, all good, um, and just let it let it slosh around in that in that slurry or that uh, sit it, you know, on that on that ice and that'll that'll obviously keep it cool it down first so you haven't got the hot goats going straight onto the cold ice and just melt all your ice. But, I was going to uh, ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, once it, once it cools down a little bit, once you've taken that temperature out of the body, uh, then cut it up, cut the meat up, and um, and then straight on to put it in a bag, plastic bag, wrap it up, uh, try and get it water waterproof, watertight, and straight into that top of that ice and cool it down. What sort of bags are you using, and why can't you? Like, what what would be the difference? I mean, I use bags, obviously, but let's say someone didn't have bags and they throw meat straight onto the ice, example, or in the water, is that bad for the meat? It's not bad for the meat. What it is, um, you're going to get water, you're going to get moisture in your meat and such. Although it's got moisture in it, but you'll get uh, water under the skin sort of thing. So um, it's just, it's not a bad thing. It's uh, It can be a vehicle for some bacteria or it can be, maybe it's got a bit of blood. You'll have then have a, uh, an esky full of blood. You'll have blood on your, maybe other food, your cans of drinks or anything like that. You don't want to be dishing around in blood all the time. If you've got some bags, it just makes things a little bit more hygienic, a little bit more cleaner. You know, it's like it's like putting open meat into your fridge at home or, or having blood dripping into your fridge at home sort of thing. You wouldn't, you just wouldn't do it. You've got to think uh, hygiene. You've got to think the best way of keeping your meat clean as well um, because when people say, oh, yeah, I killed, I killed a goat and got it home and everyone uh, at home got sick, that's that's not from the goat. That's from poor hygiene, poor practices getting, or even poor practices in getting uh, food to the table. Hygienic, you know, if you the the, the cleaner you can keep the meat, um, in the better condition, the end result will turn out better. It's it's preparation for everything. It's like everything in life. You just have to prepare, and you've got to think about it, the steps and the processes before you rush into it. You know, and and the product, the final product, will turn out a lot better. Um, same as making a cake or anyone can relate to that, you know, same as making anything. You, if you put the time in the preparation, the end product works out perfect. 
The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye-light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit osaaustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. Let's say the, the temperatures are cooler, like I went away a couple of weeks ago and shot a deer, so I was only there for a couple of days, and I still had a couple of days after that. Now, I wanted to obviously continue hunting and not having to you know, worry about you know, gutting, gutting the deer later on or you know, as in yeah. preparing the meat and everything. like. So I just did it all in, you know, shot it in the morning, spent you know, the middle part of the day you know, uh, skinning it. Obviously, I gut it where I'd shot it, um, taking all the meat, cutting it all up and doing it all then and there. Would have been beneficial for me to, if I was there on the hunting trip, for a couple of extra days just to leave the skin on, wrap it in a sheet and leave it there for two days to, to sort of you know, hang? Would that have made any difference? It would have made it. Yeah, that, that's fine. If you wanted to do that, that would be perfect. Um, skin on, yeah, just wrap that sheet around it, peg it up so no flies get into it. And, uh, you know, keep as long as it's in a cool spot, it's not getting direct sunlight to it. Uh, it's got a little bit of breeze blowing through it, yeah. And it'll um, you'll, you'll find it'll work perfect. It'll work out really good. Would it make the meat taste any better, though, or not really hanging it for uh, a short period? No, no. Look, it, hang time is always good. Um, it's a, a natural drain of, of um, the blood running through the body, so the blood runs out of the animal, um, drains it, and you'll get, you know, it's not full of blood. When you cook it, you won't see a lot of blood coming out of your meat. Your meat will cook, and it's fantastic. It's still juicy inside, but it's, um, you know, in any butcher shop, in any abattoir, they always hang the meat. And, and that's the reason they do it. It's a natural drain process to remove that blood from the internals of the meat. And, and it'll, yeah, sure, it'll end up a better product. I was going to ask you, so why do, when you've obviously shot them, you take them home, do you yes. have, because sometimes my roommates, you know, even though it's sort of my house, you know, they, they ran off me, but I always put stuff in the fridge and I keep telling myself for a while I should probably get, you know, a, a refrigerator in the garage, like a, a game meat fridge where I can, you know, throw the meat in there, throw sausages, hang them up in there. Do you have a similar sort of thing going on in your garage or? Yeah, I've got a um, I've got a big uh, industrial size fridge out the back on my patio. It's got all my beer and drinks in it, and me a little bit of sausage and cheese and bits and pieces. And I, I usually, you know, move a shelf or so and hang them in there, or uh, yeah, find a fridge and uh, take all the shelves out of the old fridge and and hang them in, hang them from the top shelf. Just whole body, you can be skin on, and just cool it down. Get that uh, get that temperature down on it before and get it to set before you can cut it up. Fantastic. Now, if you've got five goats, what do you do in that situation? You come home, you've, have you cut them up there, you bring in home whole carcasses? Obviously, you're probably not because you're putting them in your esky. So what do you do with them when you get home? So you quartered, yeah, you quartered them uh, and you bring them home in quarters and then you've got to section them. So section them into depending on what you want to eat. If you want to eat all chops, um, you know, and, and uh, you're going to need a little handsaw or something like that so you can um, then, you know, portion it up or start going through, um, you know, the main muscle group, um, you know, the, the, the basic cuts of meat and um, section them into roasts. Um, you know, there's going to be trim, so a lot of that's going to go into, say, sausage meat or mince. Um, some undesirable bits maybe have a bit of bullet damage, so you want to cut them out. And um, 
maybe the neck you can use for some stewing or, um, you know, some of the, the, say the shanks can come off, mate, for uh, goat shanks, uh, stew. Um, you're going to have a, maybe back leg of roast. Uh, forequarter might get boned out. You might want to bone roll, season the forequarter. Um, you know, there's various, various ways. All you have to do is walk into a shop and, and look at the packaging on some shops and then, well, yeah, that's what I want to do to my goat. Well, that's what I want to do to the deer. I want I want those cuts of meat um, and, and go home and, and cut it up, trim it up. And, and you'll soon find out if you follow those, you know, those natural lines in the meat, you'll soon find out that this is what roast is what and this is how, it, you know, this is this is how you want to cut it up and that's what you want to do with it. And easy, mate. It's not too hard. It's not... It's it's not a rocket science, you know. Say say you cut, um, you make a, a poor cut on the meat. To you're still going to be able to eat it. Yeah, you know, that's but right. It's, yep. it's, it's about um, it's about practicing, you know, uh, about having a go at it first, uh, making sure you can have a have a have a good go at it, uh, and you're willing to have a go at it. And if you get it wrong, practice again. It's incentive to go out and get another one, and say right, you know, this time we're going to. Instead of uh, throwing those ribs away, we're going to keep all the meat on them and cut them into little bits, and we're going to marinate them in a can of Bundy rum and a bit of uh, sugar and throw them on the barbecue in an aluminium foil packet and have uh, wild goat ribs in Bundy rum, you know? And, it, uh, and yeah, get all the boys around and, and get on it and, uh, yeah, start enjoying, <laughs> what you, start enjoying what you do. Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. Here we go. I've got a troubleshooting question for you. So I made some sausages. Now, some of my friends don't like the the uh, natural casing, so I did a bit of a, what would you call them? The, the, not the synthetic. What do they call the other ones? The you got your natural and you know what I'm talking about anyway. Colli- collagen, collagen. Collagen cases, yes. Yeah, collagen. Now, the ends are probably yep. about maybe two inches from each end when I sort of wrapped yep. them up just to put them in the fridge on the bottom shelf. They dried out a little bit, so should I have been – you know, covering them up because I see a lot of people when they hang them in fridges and stuff from like the top shelf or the top rung, they don't tend to dry yeah. out. Is that because of the collagen? What was the reason they dried out? Any particular? I mean, it didn't look too bad. It looked, still looked edible. I think it'll be fine, but it dried out yeah. a little bit. But I didn't. I didn't cover them up. I just left them sort of open. Okay, so um, obviously it's got a bit of um, what they call windburn from the fridge. Okay. So you've got in in, in any normal fridge, um, you've got uh, a fan blowing air around the refrigerator. So even if you hang meat up, um, and I know in cool rooms, if you hang meat up in a cool room, uh, you can can go really dark. It can go black on the on the skin of the meat or on the outside of the meat, and that's only from windburn onto the meat. Uh, that's what would have happened with the sausages. Yeah, because they did, actually right. They did, even though I put a Spanish chorizo mix, the ends did go quite. Even though Spanish chorizo is already quite red, it did go a, a, a significant, yeah, red to not black, but close to, yeah. Yeah, but very, yeah, very close to black. That's yeah. what it would have been, mate. Yeah, yeah. that's that's it drying out. And you'll yeah. get that with, uh, you know, venison. Venison's a really good one for it. So if that wind hits it, it dries out on the edge. You can finally, to get rid of that, you can finally slice uh, that blackness off and you'll find it's a little, it's a, a clarity red wine red underneath underneath that black it looks it looks 
when you first look at it, you go, oh, that meat's gone off. It's not. It's actually ageing. It's that. Uh, it's the ageing process starting. So, uh, it, you know, that's where it becomes really good. Mm. Um, something, I've, something I've started uh, playing around with is wet ageing meat, which is um, I've done a, quite a few videos on wet ageing meat at the moment on my, uh, on my webpage. Um, I wet aged some donkey for... It was nearly four months I had it in my fridge for, for four months. So it's only a matter of getting your primal cut, uh, like say a roast or something like that, um, putting it into a cryvac bag and cryvacking it as best you can. Then after a few days, you'll find the cryvac bag starts filling up with meat, uh, starts filling up with uh, blood coming out of the meat, sorry, and um, the what you do is then, then trim the end off your cryvac bag, drain the blood out of the uh, the bag and, and pat the meat down so it's got no blood in it and cry back it again. And you keep doing this process for anywhere it takes up maybe up to a couple of weeks uh, until there's no more blood coming out of your cry back. And um, you can keep that meat then up until, you know, I've had it, as I said, uh, quite some time, significant amount of time, four weeks. So I think I had it up there uh, or longer, 45, 45 days um, wet aged. And it was absolutely beautiful, very tender. Mm. It's a great, it's a great way of doing uh, venison as well. If you think, uh, you know, you've shot older animals and you want to, um, you know, start breaking that meat down to just tenderise it a little bit, uh, wet aging is the way to go. Does that, are they, as you said, smaller cuts that you're able to vac seal, or are they, are they bigger sort of cuts like whole legs still on the bone? Or because I thought the, I thought the smaller cuts might have gone off quicker than that. No, I'm incorrect. No, no, de- no, definitely, definitely not. So. Um, you know, I've only got my cryvac machine is um, is fairly small. It's only 300 wide. It's only a foot wide. And um, I just uh, break it down into roast, you know, the, the size cuts that I'd eat, backstraps or roasts or whatever it may be, and um, cryvac it. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. And it's a really good way to tenderise meat. Um, yeah, and I've been playing with that uh, even a marinade. So put the meat into a marinade. Uh, and leave it for a few days, and you can see it becomes more blood into that marinade. So the marinade's actually drawing the blood out, and the marinade's going into the meat. Then you drain it off. So you've got to remember after 48 hours, the meat won't take on any more marinade. So you drain that marinade and the excess blood out, pat it dry, put it back in, cry back it again. So in another 40-something days, when you take it out, that meat's already marinated, and uh, you've got dry, you've got wet-aged marinated meat. And it's um, it's it really is next level. It's a great little concept, and it's a great little thing to do. That this uh, the cryvacking machine, the 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 future's given us a better way to eat meat. Absolutely, one of my favourite things. And mate, we're killing it. We're down the rabbit hole, and we are thirty-two minutes in, and we're killing it, which is great. Uh, tell us about <laughs> we we've t- we actually me and Jay spoke about this, didn't we, Jace, before the the podcast? And we're like, this is the questions. Let's get into it. And I said, let's do a forty-five minute. We're already up to thirty-two, and we're just killing it, giving all these people this information, which is great. But uh, we're going further, mate, down the rabbit hole because you brought up a couple of extra things, which is fantastic, mate. Cry over machines and mincers let's talk a bit about that i've got a, a it's been doing its job but i think i probably need to upgrade it's a, i think i got it from raise outdoors i think it was just yep. a camp chef or one of those ones anyway one of those you know 75 dollars ones which has been doing the job for me what do i need in regards to um cryovac machines and i think i've got i got it from the good guys which is a 
retailer here in Sydney, just a, I think it was a Kenwood, one of the Kenwood minces, which does the job for the amount that I need. It probably You're probably shooting 10 times as much as I am, but what do people need and what should they spend money on? Because these are two good investments they should spend their money on. Well, believe it or not, Jace, that, um, you know, when you say you're probably shooting more meat than I am, I, I, yeah, I do, and I process a lot because I've got a, uh, a web page and, I, you know, that's what I do. I I um I do that, but you know, I reckon you'd record a lot more stuff than I would on a. You know what I mean? It's horses for courses. But True, yeah, yeah. W- when I when I say um, when I talk about uh, cryovac machines and minces, it's all part of the process of processing game meat. So it's an integral part. Uh, you know, back in my mum and dad's days, they never had the cryovac machine, and it was a hand mincer. You know, and they'd put it, when you say, oh, what kind of mincer you got? Yeah, the same as the one next door because everyone's using hand mincers, the electric <laughs> mincer. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it is It's. It is what it is. Like, um, you know, if it suits you and it's going to do the trick, then uh, sure, you can get, get the best you can afford uh, is something I always say to people. I've got a little tree spade mincer that's a, I think it's like a one horsepower tree spade mincer and it does everything I want. I'm, I can't kill it. So, you know, I've put a hell of a lot of meat through this mincer. I've done a lot of salami every every year. I do, you know, a few pigs through it and, um, you know, it really gets a hammer. And I think I'm on about the fourth or fifth cutting blade now. I've worn them all out and, uh, you know, I've got a whole heap of different um, blades or dies for them. So, I put, you know, I've got the 14 mil right down to the three mil because I like to do luncheon meats and I like to do heavy you know, uh, tories and all this, you know, the whole lot. So I, I invest in all different size nozzles and fittings and the extras for the mincer. Uh, and my cryovac machine is, I think I paid $300 for my cryovac machine. It was on special. Uh, and it plugs into a 12-volt uh, cigarette lighter. So I can take it fishing and I can cryovac on the beach uh, when, I'm, when I'm fishing or I can take nice, it camping yeah. and if we shoot something – uh, break down if we haven't got enough room in the esky. Break down some of those primal cuts, uh, cryovac them, and put them on ice. So I know that they're set. They're there. What's I got to do when I come home? Um, you know, under the cryovac, I'll start the wet aging process from when I'm shooting it. You know, so if the if the blood drains out, I can recut it again and start wet aging it, breaking it down. Uh, so you know, it's what suits people. It's what it's it's how it goes. It what suits. You know, as you said, you you've got a little mincer that doesn't do the job, but it or you know, it's not the best, but it does your job. It does what you want it to do, and that's perfect. That's fantastic. And I can't recommend, you know, it'd be hard to recommend a brand that's going to suit everyone for a mincer. People ask me all the time, what what do you recommend? And I say, look, I, I recommend a, a tree spade mincer. I've got a um, sponsor, a butcher quip, and they they will. Um, they will go, you know, all, they'll post all over Australia and they're fantastic. If you want any more information of them, give them a look up Butcher Quip, fantastic uh, butcher supply company. But they, it's horses for courses, you know. People, you, you do less than me, I do more than you, some other person might do more than me, you know. So he, he wants a bigger mincer, I've got a mincer, you want a smaller mincer. And that's how it is. I, I can't, I could, there's a, a million and one brands I could recommend, but, um, yeah, it, it's everyone's got something different, you know. If, you know, like for an example, a couple of questions here, this is great. Uh, if I'm out in the field and I just obviously shoot a deer and I've, I would have got my 12-volt cryovac and I cryovac it and I do bring yeah. it home after a couple of days and it's got blood in it, is it still okay just to, if I'm not wet aging, just to chuck that in the freezer? 
Um, I would drain the blood off first because the blood's uh, um, you, you really want the blood to come out of it. That's that's the whole part of um, you know any any meat uh, you, you hang it to remove that blood. And the blood um, is not the best. To have. You know the blood will carry the bacteria, uh, the moisture in that in that meat will carry that bacteria. You want to uh, remove, although you're going to freeze it, but you want to try and remove, if it's swimming in blood, yeah, try and remove that blood. I found it interesting because when I did bring him home, I was actually surprised with some of the backstraps from the deer. Like I made the the sausages and then I had some backstraps which I left in the fridge just for yeah, two or three days. And then when I sort of had them in the bowl, I did cover those with some cling wrap. And then when I pulled it out, I, did quite, I was actually quite surprised. I didn't expect... Uh, that much blood because it's probably sat in my 12 volt fridge for in the garage for a couple of days so there was a little yeah. bit of blood in them drain that off and then i cut them up into sort of steaks or what i thought were good portions and then um, three more days from those portions in the fridge and then oh the amount of blood that come off them even i was quite surprised i thought well, i thought it was all gone when i sort of prepared them when i took them out of the bags i placed them in when i was out hunting so yeah, so that um, what are you saying? More blood came out of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so so what it is is that meat's starting to break. It's starting to relax. Uh, it's starting to break down. That the blood's coming out, so it's starting to drain. You would have found it, it would have been a better a, a better uh, a, a better cut of meat then after that. It, it would have tasted, you know, the, the tenderness still would have been there after that. That blood's drained out of it, you know. Yeah. Oh, one of the this is again you brought it up just then, which is great too. You were talking about minces and i've had this question before and obviously i don't know the answer now when i'm obviously i bring the meat home done all the stuff prepared it, it's ready to go in the mincer what i guess what do you call them dyes the you know the yeah, yeah. coarse yeah. medium what do i need and can i do it twice for an example because some of the ones i just did no doubt i did it wrong but they tasted pretty good i did a coarse cut um, yep. And it seemed to come out, well, obviously, you know, through the mincer a lot easier as well. Now, could I have, once I had everything mixed together on the course cut, should I have put it through then, you know, a medium sort of dye for those sausages, a medium cut for those sausages uh, and a plate? What, what should I do? Depending on what size plate, um, what size plate's available, but, and, and also what you want. So what the end product's going to be, um, just for instance, you'll go to the shop at, say, a Teresa. Sausage is very, very coarse in the meat. You can taste it. You bite into that chorizo sausage. You can. It's got very big uh, chunks of meat in it, very big chunks of fat in amongst that meat. Um, say, for instance, if you want to say lasagna, so you're looking around, say, a six-mil plate, you put a six-mil, it's got a six-mil hole. That's kind of a medium, five or six mils a medium size for a mince. Uh, then working down from there, like the luncheon meats or some of that very fine coarse, uh, fine fine grind uh, meat, anywhere down there, the three mil, uh, you, you start grinding down. And you've got to think, uh, game meat, a lot of sinew, uh, very little fat, It's your mince is working. So the, the, the finer the plate, the finer the dye, uh, the harder the mince is going to work. Whereas you take it up bigger, bigger plates, bigger dyes, uh, the easier it'll be to uh, mince that game meat. And you know, it's a, it's, a, it's how you, it's preference. You know, it's how you want it. Does the sinew, and obviously with steaks, it's recommended to remove as much, obviously, if not all, the sinew you possibly can, I would say, especially if you're putting them on the pan because it'll turn out to be like a leather boot if you don't. But what about the long? 
cooking cuts. You know, you've got maybe a roast, you're going to put something in the slow cooker, you're going to put something yep. slow in the oven. Does that sinew at all break down at all if you're doing like, let's say you might have, what do you call the, down below, what do they call them again? Like shanks, for an example. Like oh, shanks yeah, have yeah, a yeah, bit yeah, of sinew. Yeah, can you throw them in or do you need to yeah, get all that can. white yeah. stuff off no, too? No, 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 no. So um, throw, like that's, that's that long cooking process will break it down. So as soon as you put it in, say if you were going to put it in a frying pan, uh, that would tense up. That would, uh, how can I say it? It's like putting, um, you, you know, something, it'll, uh, it's like a bit of pork crackle or something, you dip it into the hot fat and you see it'll twist up, it'll twist. And, well, that's what that sinew, that reaction you'll get with the sinew, it'll all twist up, it'll clench, it'll, it'll tighten up. But you put it into that uh, slow cooker and you're cooking it really slow over time, it doesn't get that chance to tighten up. It doesn't that, that flash heat. It doesn't get that. It just starts to relax and break down and start getting the, the, the moisture starts coming into the meat in the slow cooker, and it's a fantastic way to uh, cook game meat as well in that slow cooker. I, cook, I use my slow cooker quite often with, um, you know, I might get home uh, like I have done a, and uh, bone the forequarter out and it doesn't look that flash. You know, it's not like you'd get in the butcher shop. It's pretty rugged. There's a few cuts here and there. Then you <laughs> yeah. then you start then you start uh, cutting chunks off it, and you think, oh, they look all right. You know, those chunks look fantastic. Straight into the slow cooker, um, some curry powder, maybe a bit, little bit of, um, you know, if you want to mix up a fresh curry, some curry leaves in the mortar and pestle. You got some peanuts, a little bit of chili in there. You you know, you got the coriander going on, some peppers and some chilies, a bit of lime juice or whatever, and you start making a, a nice tight curry. You go on your goat meat, a bit of coconut cream. Perfect, mate. You put on some rice, and you've got a nice goat curry, coconut cream, done. Beautiful. Bit of rice, put some put some mango through your rice. You know, fantastic. And that's the sort of uh, that's the sort of thing you got to look at. You got to start thinking about how you want to, uh, what you want to start doing with your your meat well before you know, well before you start cutting it up. I was going to ask you, you've, you've been losing a, a fair bit of weight since obviously I see you on the photos. So when you get all this meat, how are you going through all this meat? Giving it away or you're just having, <laughs> having lots of people over or what are yeah. you doing? My friends, my friends are uh, putting weight on and I'm losing it, mate. I'm, <laughs> I, uh, my admin, yeah, my admin are, are uh, you know, the, it's saying that, Jase, I swap a lot of stuff as well. Uh, you know, we, we, I've got uh, mates that are into the home brew. I've got mates that are doing a bit of, uh, oh, yeah, I started making my own cheese. Or I've got mates that are doing stuff. I come around, they, you know, and I've just put in, uh, I'll just go into it. I'll put in a studio out the back, a film studio uh, kitchen on my patio, and uh, I'll put some photos up on my uh, on my Facebook page, and I think you've seen uh, photos of it on my Instagram and uh, like an outback little studio that I can cook, uh, I can do a bit of filming in it, I can entertain with all my friends. So I'll get the plumber around, we have a bit of sausage, we cut up, I thank him, give him some meat or take home or a few cuts or salamis or whatever, some bacon, or do a bit of swapping. And um, and that's, you know, it's, that's what it's about. It's about um, sharing with your friends, sharing with your family. Oh, sure, I can't eat it all. And uh, that's that's the, how the world goes around, mate. Yeah, I know. It's nice. It is really a process, isn't it? And uh, when I went away like a couple of weeks ago, it's interesting how, you know, I thought sometimes you think, oh, that hunting is the hardest part and, and shooting them. But then when you actually spend time, 
you know, actually shooting them, you realise, oh, shit, man, I've got the rest of this, you know, animal to break down. I've got to get it home. That's just the, you know, the harder part, getting it into the esky, and then you've still got a lot of work when you get home uh, from the esky. That's, that's just, right. That's yeah. just one animal. Yeah. Too bad if you've got that's five, right. you've got some, man, you've got, you got hours worth of work ahead of you. That's right. And um, it, it's, a, yes, it is, as I said, and I keep saying, and I reiterate over it all the time, that uh, there's a lot of planning. If you want to, if you want to do this, there's a lot of planning when it comes to um, butchering and um, you know preserving game meat. Um, I I do it you know quite like I do it often. I do it every day. I I, I eat uh, game meat every day. I haven't been to a butcher shop now for seven years. So um, that's not because I, I don't want to. It's because I don't have to. Um, I hunt. I fish. Uh, you know I prepare all my own sausages and meat and and that's what I do. And I, and no problem at all, but it's a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of time, uh, and once you get it down pat, once you've got all the tools to do the job properly, it's not too bad. The easiest part is, um, you know, in the end, the easiest part is shooting it, really, and uh, the fun, I think the fun part's all, uh, just making yummy uh, creations out of it. Yeah, exactly. What's your favourite game meet at the moment anyway? What have you been uh... – I've got to, as you may well know, mate, I've just been harping on about it for the last, I think we're up to probably an hour now, but um, (laughs) goat, I'm really, I'm getting right into the goat and I don't know why it's, it's a versatile meat. It's very much, uh, you know, it's similar, well, it it nearly exact to the lamb, but 10 times more flavour. It's the most eaten animal in the world, but, uh, you know, we've got wild goats floating around in Australia and they're available to people to shoot. Uh, they're not doing the environment any good, and um, and they're great. They're, they're tasty. Uh, even the even the little bit bigger ones, uh, you know, they've got a bit of a stink to them, but they're still they're still able to cook. You can still, uh, you know, get that stink out. The stink's on the outside, not on the inside. So um, you, there's there's processes you can, and you can get that out, but that's what I've been doing. I've been eating a, a fair bit of goat. I've been chasing the goat and uh, the goats and uh, and getting into it and trying to utilise as much as that meat as I can. Um, saying that, uh, you know, um, that, that just the type of the season it is at the moment. I've uh, been go, got a little bit of venison and um, but mainly goat. It's uh, the goats where it's at. I know I've got to learn this salami. I'm looking at, and then you probably you might have heard me clicking because I got my phones near the computer. But um, yep. uh, the results you've made some wild pork rookwurst. Is it rookwurst? Is that correct? Now I've got to start yeah, making. Mate, this. I just, I've just had that for lunch actually before you ran some up. I had a little bit of a plate going on, some olives, a bit of cheese, a rookwurst, a nice glass of red. I've got some tomato and a little bit of carrots, uh, some chili chutney. And uh, some biscuits, uh, a few cashews, mate, and a glass of wine, or oh, and some uh, mango jam, and that was before the podcast. So I'm, I'm not <laughs> trying to tease you. I'm not trying to tease you too much, mate. But yeah, the rookworst was all right. Well, I noticed here you vac sealed them too. Do you then move after you finish? Move them on what to the freezer, or how do you how do you keep them from there? So what I did with the rookworst, I made. Uh, Oh, it was a it's a rookwurst, a, like a Dutch style smoked sausage. So I put them in the smoker. I, I made them into into some big skin, um, put them into some big skins uh, after I, I'd mixed them all up. Uh, they went into the smoker. Sometimes I would uh, turn them into a U shape, like and, and tie them up top so they look like a bit of a horseshoe shape to go and fit them all in the smoker. These ones I left uh, straight, and uh, I smoked them. 
and they they get slow smoked for approximately it was about six hours, six to eight hours, just on a very low low smoke. So they're not cooking, but you're smoking them. Uh, although they got a little bit of cure in them as well, they got uh, so like a salami cure in them, and they had a, a, not a lot of salt, but a, a little bit of salt. Um, and they went into that uh, smoker for uh, quite some time, just on low, and a very, very low smoke. Then from there, they come out of that smoker, and because it was still fairly hot over here, then I put them into a wine fridge, and that wine fridge kept them from 12 to 14 degrees for about four or five weeks, uh, just until they firmed up, till they got their colour and they hardened up. Um, if they started getting a little bit too moist inside that wine fridge, I, op- I turned it off, opened the door a bit, uh, so I dried them a little bit, and they, they basically ferment. It's like a fermented sausage, but they're cured with that smoke, and they've also cured with that little bit of cure that went into them, and perfect as in chopped up, have them cold like that, or uh, just give them a little bit of a pan fryer onto a pizza. They go very, very well in a wild game pizza, with a bit of that rookwurst, a little bit of the wild pork ham. <laughs> oh man, I'm getting excited thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and that's how it is. You've got to look at you've got to look at the big picture. You've got to if you want to process game meat, you've got to look at different ways of eating that game meat too. You know, there's so many people go out and they might shoot something, come home and have a roast. Oh, I'm sick of eating roast goat, roast pig, roast venison, roast this. You know, you've got to start looking at different ways to as you would do if you went down to the shop, um, different select cuts of meat, fresh, nice, fresh uh, goat, mint and rosemary with a little bit of honey in it, uh, sausages. And uh, they've got that flavour, you know, that that immense, they've got that beautiful raw, that goat flavour in the sausage uh, and the rosemary through it and that sharp, tangy, tasty mint with the sweetness of honey in it too. Beautiful, mate, absolutely beautiful. And they go really well. Or mince it up. With those still those same flavours, and use that mince in pies. Make fresh pies. Uh, get yourself a little pie maker. Cut some pastries out, or make yourself some fresh pastry. Bang! All that uh, big gravy into it, mate, with a little bit of honey in that gravy for sweetness. And then make yourself a couple of dozen pies. You know, out of the mince, take them to work the next day. Give them to your mates, a few pies. Misses and kids <laughs> are into pies. You know. Yeah, man. Beautiful, sounds and, delicious. and you have. You've got to step outside of the square because that's where it falls down with game meat. You know, a lot of people, oh, I can't be bothered or I can't do this or that sounds a bit too hard. You can get out of it and start that learning process. Like everything, like firearms, I've seen, Jace, I've seen you doing a little bit of reloading and, and uh, load development uh, just on your, you know, on your uh, Facebook page and then you start shooting rabbits at 600 metres with your with your guns and that. You become better at it. You, you become <laughs> You know uh, what I mean? I, know, I think you've uh, given me a little bit of curry in the past. You go, this is a delicious game, mate. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, um, and, and that's how it is. It's about, uh, you know, you, to get a better gun, you do a bit of load development. Well, to get a better product on the table, you do a little bit of meat development as well. So you start having, uh, you start playing around with the meat and cooking it different ways, preserving it different ways. And uh, you know, and 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 practice, 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 and it ends up the best, uh, better result. What's the difference between, you know, making these sort of salamis and that compared to sausages that the cures in them? Give us a bit of a rundown what the requirements are on, because I've actually got some game in I wouldn't mind 
you know, putting into something like this as well, but I've sort of never done it. So give just, I guess, the listeners a bit of a rundown of what they what they need and how, how to sort of get started on doing that and what size skins they might need, etc. Okay, so a fresh, say a fresh sausage, we're going to do a, um, say for instance, a goat sausage, you want at least 20, 25% fat uh, into that sausage. So uh, I'd use a natural skin, um, say around the, uh, 24, 32 size skin. So you want a natural, uh, you can butcher supply company, you can get that. You've got a nozzle on your mincer, you can attach to it. You, um, you into a bowl, you put your fat, uh, you mince your fat, then you mince your meat. Preferably, I, I, if I'm making fresh sausage, I'll mince the fat the same, put it through the same plate as I will the meat. So the, the, the meat and the, uh, and, the, and the fat go through the same, same size plate. Uh, that 20%, you can get, say, maybe some pork fat from the butcher shop um, or if you're collecting fat from wild pigs or, or big fatty pigs over the over the year, uh, start utilising a bit of that fat out of the freezer. So uh, 20%. Okay, so you want to weigh it out. Say um, you you got a kilo, so 800 grams and about 200 grams uh, of fat. Um, then to that, uh, you would add your flavouring. So whether it be uh, a little bit of red wine or you want, say, uh, so red wine and garlic in it or you want, uh, as I said beforehand, a bit of goat, uh, rosemary, uh, some fresh mint leaves chopped up uh, and, a, and a few spoonfuls of honey. And then what you do, mix it all around by hand, give it a really, really good mix. And the trick here is to take a, like a tablespoon Roll it around in your hands. When you think it's all mixed, give it another mix. Uh, take that tablespoon out, roll it around in your hands, get a frying pan, a little bit of oil in it, and just give it a bit of a fry up, okay? A little bit of salt in there as well into that, uh, like a pinch of salt into that mix and because uh, the salt helps bring flavour out into the meat. So then give that little bit of tablespoon of meat you just took out, give it a pre-cook and have a taste and think, that wouldn't be too bad. You've got to remember when you're making sausages, all that meat will, those flavours will develop once you hang that sausage, okay? So uh, the flavour is going to get a little bit more intense, but you'll get a, a good understanding of what the flavour is going to be like when you do a little bit of a pre-cook. Exactly. And then what about the hanging process and, and how long do you do that for so, and all, et cetera? Okay. So that's how the fresh sausage. Now you can fresh uh, fresh sausage can go straight into the fridge, or you can have a little bit of a hang uh, hang the fresh sausage, or just let them rest and let those flavours develop. Give them a cryovac, freeze them, or you can say cook them um, cook them up. Or uh, as you said, salamis. You want to. I like to use a little bit of a bigger skin for the salami. So around the 40, uh, 40 to sixty, uh, even sixty-two, sixty-four. Uh, like a natural bung or natural ox bung or that sort of um, bigger skins, okay? So what's going to happen with the salami? You're taking the moisture out of the meat. Essentially, you're um, you're preserving it in that way. The moisture's coming out. So what I do, um, grind your meat, say like a six or an eight mil plate, uh, and then I tend to grind the fat. Once again, 25% fat, I tend to grind that a little bit bigger. Uh, and then add your obviously your salami mix might be a little bit of garlic, some uh, red wine in it. Um, if you want to use a salami cure, if you're not too sure, um, use a salami cure, 
grind it all up, stuff your skins and, and make sure they're really full. Tie them off, hang them up uh, in the shed and that uh, you want to um, cure them. So you're not, you're not going to hang them in the middle of summertime, so it's going to be winter. Uh, you, you're going to have uh, lots of moisture in the air. It's going to be somewhere like uh, in, the, in the pantry or in the, in the shed or in the cellar. So you're going to have that little bit of uh, a relative humidity. So, um, you know, that's still a little bit of moisture in the air and she's going to dry six to eight weeks' time and you've got yourself a salami. Now, I was just looking at my – I was actually looking at one here, actually, on my eBay account, if I could actually find it now, typical that I can't. But what sort of um, – if you're hanging them and it's a bit warmer, like you said, you're talking about a wine fridge. Now, I was looking at one. There's ones that are compressor-powered. And there's other ones that are, I think they're like thermo or something. They're not really like a thermo, yeah, like a thermo fan on them. Yeah, exactly. And they sort of cool down, but obviously not as much as a you know compressor style fridge. So, is there a difference? Do we need one that's got a compressor? What do we need? Yeah, you you would have to have. That's only see that's because I'm using it in the uh, in the middle of summer. Okay. Uh, I, I would cool it down to that, but you'd obviously need a, a humidifier in there. So it's going to have to have it. You're going to have to add humidity into that as well. Okay. So right. it's going to have to let a little bit of, um, yeah, the moisture drying it out, and the, the, the humidity's got to stay at a certain type. Um, so, but when it in the middle of summer, I usually get, uh, or, or in the uh, earlier springs, I, I get um, uh, spikes in temperature over here in WA. You know, it might go. Uh, you might have 19 or something goes up to 25, and the weather's just been all over the shop at the moment. So, hence the reason it was staying in the fridge for a while, and now it's got cold, so no flies around. I'll take them out of the fridge, and I was finished the hanging off in the fridge. Um, for instance, I've just done a couple of prosciuttos, huge big prosciutto legs. Uh, been in my fridge now for 35 days in some salt and spice, and I've been draining the blood off them, and I've just hung them in my shed the uh, last couple of days. And they're going to sit there and lose uh, approximately half their moisture and uh, and cure. So uh, they'll sit there for anywhere up to, I'd say, a minimum of 45 days. Wow. And then what, you can eat them on crackers, pizzas, cheese? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, if you want to start wrapping some uh, venison, you know, so a venison medallion, wrap it up into some uh, wild pork prosciutto, give it a bit of a fry in the frying pan, a sear, very hot frying pan, you're going to get that, crispy prosciutto on the outside, that very thin wild pork prosciutto and that rare, tender um, venison medallion, you know, and you cut into it, it would be perfect. Keep that moisture into the venison. Beautiful. You'll listen to Australia's number one hunting, shooting and fishing podcast. Nice, mate. Well, we went down the rabbit hole, mate, as we thought we were going to do, and we're an hour in. We're killing it right now, so we might have to head back to our question. Are you heading to any expos coming up uh, for H Hunt, Catch, Cook over the next, uh, I guess, three, six, four months? For sure, mate. Um, Look, there's been uh, different – I've had quite a few invites on different shows. Um, I've got end of the year, uh, as you may well know, the Sporting Shooters are having their expo. Uh, again, so uh, heading over uh, for the sporting shooters. I'll be over that way in uh, October. Uh, throughout next year, I think there's a few uh, expos on. I'm travelling around. I'm still doing uh, expos and I still do shows in Perth, uh, in WA. I do a lot of uh, fishing shows. I do events. 
Um, so I'm always on the go, mate, always on the go, uh, travelling around. I love meeting people. I love saying good day to guys uh, and girls and, um, you know, just, just talking about hunting. It's a passion. It really is. Uh, putting food on the table, giving people a taste of things that I do, showing people how to do it. I love that. So, yeah, I've got uh, any chance that I get to go to expos uh, or, or shows. I've got the Deer Association the next few weeks for, doing, uh, for the annual general meeting. Uh, WA Deer Association, I've got it as a sponsor, um, and I'll go down and do cooking demos and show all the guys how to make sausages. I'm also going to make a venison liver pate for them as well, so I'd make a liver and brandy pate and show them how to do that. And uh, we have a really good time. I do overnight. They camp overnight. I uh, get a couple of venison and we cut them all up. This year I want to um, maybe take it up to next level and uh, try and get them to utilise the bones of the venison as well. So no waste, nothing. We're going to chop those big major uh, back leg bones up and uh, chop them into chunks, maybe rub them in some spice and we'll slow roast them in the oven and uh, have them as an entree, have marrow bone, slow roasted uh, venison bone marrow bones in, uh, say, a barbecue spice. So something like that, you know, I'm always teaching people they – um, quite a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I've been uh, shooting venison or I've been hunting venison for years, never had bones, never eaten the bones, always throwing them out, always left them in the paddock or give them to the dog. So, well, how about you try them as an entree, you know, take some of the big cut, cuts of bones home, those big uh, femur bones, take them home and uh, just cut the middles out of them, and the marrow bones, and, and uh, slow roast them, you know, give the off cuts to the dog, but how about you uh, enjoy it as well? And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I, I um, so cutting back to the question, I'm, I'm going down my own rabbit holes here at the moment. But yeah, I, I love getting out. I love getting out, showing people stuff, mate. And that'll never stop. That really will never stop. If I'm not out doing expo showing people, I'll be doing it at home. Now I think YouTube's got a lot to answer for, mate. I think uh, I think I can get my message out on YouTube. Uh, social media, I've just about had enough with um, with the old Facebook. Or yeah, that's uh, getting a bit over the board. But um, as you know, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, follow me on Facebook. But um, I, I think um, I'm starting to enjoy that basic, that getting back to basics and showing people from the start on Facebook about live video on how to uh, how to prepare and how to cook from the start. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you do it. You got this big kitchen, or you're special. You do this or that." I'm, I'm just the average guy, mate. I'm just a bloke that hunts the same as everyone else. And I, I love showing people that it's that easy, you know. I'm glad you actually brought this up. And I did a post about it the other day. And, you know, I guess the first part of the question, and I'll go on with it, is, you know, are you getting any support from the organisational supporters? I get a lot of people, no doubt you have too, from the past saying, oh, what, you know, how much are your money? You know, is it worth doing YouTube videos or is it, um, you know, podcasting? You know, they, oh, what money are you making? You must do this full time. And I guess my question is, why do you, are you getting any support? Why do you do what you do? Because, you know, as you know, in this industry with the internet, you know, generally being free, you know, I've got a lot of supporters, but when it sort of comes down to, you know, throwing a few bucks my way on Patreon, or there's a, even a lot of guys that I've seen, you know, in the podcasting movement, Jace, uh, you know, even on YouTube, there's a couple of guys that I followed up until just recently. And I was on one of their pages the other day. And I said to the guy like, you know, and, and the other guy said first, he actually got to the chase before me and said, mate, I haven't seen any, he used to do like sort of long range shooting videos and similar. He was over in England. And he said, mate, haven't seen a video from you from six months. And this guy's got about 
12,000 subscribers on uh, YouTube. And he said, just not worth it, mate. No money in it, no support. Uh, no one's helping out. Mate, I'd rather just go shooting and not waste my time on having to film something and edit it just, just for people to poke shit at it. And I thought that's really disappointing, eh, that a lot of guys yeah. come on the internet and expect everything sort of for free and not throw a few bucks to these guys that are working their guts out to, to bring you this awesome content. You don't have to do what you do. I don't have to do what we do. But if we stop doing it, Jace, people go, oh, well, that sucks. You know, what are we going to listen to yeah. now? And I said, well, mate, where have you been? You know, throw some support our way. That's right. Look, I've, I've got massive support from my sponsors, uh, and I'll, I'll name a few of them. Sporting Shooters Association, uh, the West Australian Brands, really good guys. They've been behind me 150%. Uh, Beaten Firearms, um, Butch Equip, the Deer Association, uh, Power Beam. Uh, they, they all – when I – mate, I, 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 I want for nothing, you know. These guys um, – they're always supporting me 100, 120%, mate. They um, they love what I do. A lot of people love what I do, and they follow me that way. When you say, is it worth it, uh, I, don't, I don't do it like it, the money's good. Um, the money I get from it buys the ammo. I don't do it for the money. I do it to live. If I stop True, hunting, yeah. I'm going to die of starvation. <laughs> um, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's how I look at it. If I... If I stop hunting, my quality of life, my eating, my my ability to go and get my own food outweighs the cost that would be. And I think um, as a as a as a race, the human race, we're losing our ability to be able to source our own food. Whoever thought, uh, you know, your grandparents. If you ever, could you imagine saying them in a fast food restaurant like Hungry Jack's will be a burger called a vegan burger? Yeah. They would have laughed, mate. Yeah. Whoever thought that would happen? Did you see that post on my page? Did you? Is that where you got that from, oh, or you seen it? Oh, mate, I, I, I saw the menu at Hungry Jack's, and I thought, Who's <laughs> I posted up about two but, on the way back from a hunting yeah, trip. <laughs> I think, I think I did see it, Jace. Whoever thought it had happened? That's. I want to teach my kids. Uh, you know, I want to teach society where their food comes from. Like it's, uh, yeah, kids will go, where's, what, where, how'd you get this? It's not wrapped in cellophane or where's the price tag on this, mate? Where, how come it come to the, what, yeah. And, and people are astounded. Like, what do you make? Do you eat that? Y- yeah, I do. Or I give it to someone, they go, this is beautiful. What is it? And I say, well, that's wild pig. Oh, well, where'd you get that from? Well, I'll go and hunt it. And they can't believe that. People can't believe it. They've never been, they've never known that. They've known that people don't know it's out there. And that's what I do. And I just don't want to, as, um, I, I don't know, mate, call me, call me. I'm happy to be weird if weird's like that. If that's weird or, or you're not right, I'm happy to, I'm, I'll wear that badge with honour, mate. Any time, Jace, because that's what I want to do. You're right, man. You know, we don't do it for the – yeah, people have said to me in the past, oh, you don't must do this full time. You're getting all this kind of money. And I said, not really, mate. You know, I just do it because I love it, mate. That's the only real reason. And, you know, trying to make a difference, I guess. You know, some people may disagree, but, you know, in things that we do and, you know, you always get people, that's yeah. not the way to prepare that meat or – Of course, mate. Of course. And, you know, as as you know, and I see every time I see you at shows and stuff, I love what you do. I love, uh, you know, and all my mates, they always turn on the radio and listen to the podcast, listen to Australian Hunting Podcast. He said, oh, you know, my mate came around the other day. He said, I was just listening to you. I said, what, what do you mean? Oh, on the podcast. Fantastic. I, I, 
Um, and the word's getting out there, but it, the more we make it, the more myself and you and and uh, everyone else makes it normal uh, and brings it back, you know, traditions that we don't want to lose, uh, the more society will accept it, you know, and the more, and as I said to you uh, previously, you know, taking your mates out, going out with your mates, lighting the campfire and getting out there, shooting some animals, uh, taking that meat home, you can't pay for that. That's um, You can't put a price on that. There's no price tag for that. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. 100% man, I agree with you. And I want to, let's make it a bit, we're going to sort of delve it into a bit of a deeper stuff now, you might say. Now, we were talking about this yesterday and you, I think, I think either you brought it up or we both brought it up. I'm not 100% sure, but it doesn't really matter because yeah. it's a good cause anyway about, you know, yeah. as we all know, you know, I've been through, you know, bad, bad, this is why I pretty much not started the show, but I've been through bad breakups. I've been, you know, I had a long-term relationship, didn't go too well. You know, times get tough for guys financially, family, divorces, losing jobs, and this comes back to I guess have me and you having a discussion now about you know looking after our mates and and how hunting shooting and fishing can you know bring you through those harder parts in life and 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 being able to get out with your mates and not be scared around the campfire to say listen guys everyone okay and you know how's everyone going you know mentally sort of thing and you know it's how how can hunting shooting and fishing Hopefully, you know, if things do get those bad times, how they, how we can ward those off by going hunting, going shooting. It's not all about work. Going fishing. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you uh, you mentioned it, Jace. You know, and I'm going to be open and honest and pretty raw here with you, mate. That um, depression in not only men but depression in society or uh, mental illness in society is a real thing these days. Um, people tend to um, people tend to say, oh, you know, depression, dah, that never happened, or my grandparents never had depression or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's it's on the up and up. Uh, just I, I believe it may be something to do with our dietary requirements or, uh, you know, who knows where it's coming from. You know, a lot of pressures in society, school for kids these days. Um, I could go on for hours about this subject, mate. It's pretty raw and it's it hits home pretty quick for me. Um, getting out... And talking with your mates, communication is utmost importance. And to light a campfire, it goes hand in hand, yeah, and to light a campfire and sit around with your mates, as you said, and say, hey, uh, are you okay, mate? You know, what's going on in your life? Or, yeah, and they get it out there and they talk about it and and open and honest and, you know, you, you start spilling your beans um, about – uh, you know, hey, you've always been there with me. Thanks for coming out, you know, enjoying it. Whether it be going out with your family, your friends, but I believe it's really good. And that brings me onto the subject of my third book. Um, my first book, I, I just, my uh, first recipe book was mainly uh, centered around just the general public and, and just general recipes. And then I thought I'll, I'll make a um, a second book around kids and uh, menus and recipes for kids and how to get kids eating game meat. Well, guess what? My third book, and it's nearly finished, 
um, I'm happy to say, and it's just, oh, I suppose it's more funding and time than anything, and I really need to get my arse in the gear and sit down and write it. My third book's going to be based on my mates, and I'd love to make a contribution into, um, you know, that sort of depression or men's uh, suicide awareness or men's, uh, you know, that sort of thing and help, help guys out. And, um, you know, there's so many good charities and stuff that can do that. Um, you know, helpline or or any of that if you if you're not feeling a hundred percent. But another thing, when I say um, getting out, communicating with your mates, uh, getting back to basics, you know, go and get some meat, go and get some, uh, go and get a reward, you know. And my my saying is on on my um, on my page and, and my saying in life is effort. Uh, the reward will always outweigh the effort, you know. And, um, and and that's what it's about. It's about sitting around the campfire with your mates and getting that reward and coming together. Yeah, you're right, man. It is. Um, we talk about it a lot on this show and a lot of different things. And it's about you know getting guys together, man, and letting them know you know he's okay and you know talking around these things. And that sometimes that can be the difference, eh, Jace, between people it, sort of going yeah, through these bad yeah, times. Yeah, those, those simple words. Are you okay, mate? You know, how are you feeling? You okay? What's going on? What's going on in your life? You know, and uh, and they'll soon open up, and you'll soon tell them about yours, and and you're sharing your experiences, you're sharing what's happened. Sometimes it's not all good, and sometimes it is all good. Uh, you can just join a beer. I don't say you have to sit there and just get absolutely blind, and, uh, but you know, it usually happens. But uh, you're just out having fun with your mates, getting back to it, what it's all about. You become, you know, being that that culture that we live in. Uh, just around the campfire and poking sticks at the campfire and each other and just having fun, you know. And yeah. uh, I think we lose that as a society. I think we lose that communicate. We've lost that communication as a society, and we're, we we concentrate we concentrate on about making money and uh, you know all of. I think we buddy Veganberg is in Hungry Jacks, mate. We we concentrate on the wrong things. <laughs> Absolutely, you never see you never just yeah you never see a good conversation around a salad, do you? You <laughs> no. get a barbecue going on. You got to get a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, roast a bit of meat, mate. Some people might say, you know, listen, you know, we're talking about things that are full on, and we are guys, and, and you know, we've talked about. We're not talking about, you know, the people that are out there that are going to kill people with firearms. I just wanted to make people clear of that because people are going to talk to us and say, well, they're talking about people with mental health and guns. But what we are talking about, guys, is pe- we're talking about real life here. We're talking about you know people that just need need a helping hand, you know, and they go through things. Don't get uh, real life confused with a video game, you know. Exactly. And that's where it's all wrong, mate. People who look at it real wrong. Yeah. Get real life. Get that. Get it uh, with your mates. Get outside. Breathe a bit of that air, mate, and mm. have some fun. Crack a few tins, buddy. Go and uh, a common goal. You're going to get an animal. You want to put some food on the table. You're going to share that food. You know, there's nothing better. Mm. Uh, I, I just on my last hunting trip, um, <clears throat> I was up. Um, just recently, just went and uh, I was a goat shooting with my cousin. I haven't seen him for 20 years. We go up there. We went and got a goat. We, we processed the goat, cut it in half. He had half. I had half. We sat around the fire and put some – and you'll probably see the photo on my Facebook page. Got the ribs out, put them on an old bit of mesh. And, I uh, was just at that the, one right now, actually, on the fire with the goat in the picture yeah, of the goat in yeah, your yeah. Uh, shed. Yeah, mate, in the shed. Yeah, we christened his shed. Uh, had the open fire going. We had uh, a few bottles of rum going on. Um, we're talking about the old days, and uh, that's that's my therapy right there, mate. That's me. Um, you know, a lot of people pay thousands to go and see somebody that I just did uh, 
Yeah, just did overnight, and I was cured, mate, I tell you. <laughs> Looks like it's a good old South African bry style there. It was, mate, yeah. I'll tell you what, I've, nothing better than a potato on a stick. I've got this thing sorted, mate. Got, yeah, you, you, slice, you slice these potatoes up into wedges and put them on a stick and rub a little bit of spice and herbs and seasoning on them, bang, straight on the fire, the open fire, and you just pull them off one-handed. You don't have to put your beer down. You just one-handed, pull the potato off, then you reach down, grab another goat rib. It's This is basic. Cooking, basic eating is back to Neanderthal bloody days, mate. And it's good fun. You can still continue talking. You don't have to put the beer or your food down. You don't have a security detail, do you? Because the bloke you're talking about seems to be smashing the food, yet the guy I'm seeing on Facebook is losing weight left, right and centre. <laughs> it's my stunt you haven't double, got a body mate. double, yeah, have you? No, a stunt a, double, have you? Stunt double. Yeah, he eats all the food, blows up. Yeah. Oh. No, it's, it's all about living, mate. It really is. It's just all about having fun, and that's what I'm about. You know, I'm about cooking. I'm about eating. I'm about sharing the passion with your mates. And and if I can instill someone in this conversation that we're having with you to get out there and start enjoying life, doing it. Then cool. I've done well. I reckon the podcast successful if I can still someone to do that. Absolutely, man. You've been any more purchases for the gun safe or anything, or no? You haven't any toys you've been purchasing? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't believe it. Glad you mentioned it. Bought a uh, three hundred a Weatherby three hundred Win Mag. It was the cheapest gun I could get. Um, it wasn't the cheapest gun I could get. I just wanted one. I love me Weatherbys, um, and I got it in three hundred Win Mag. I thought. Uh, I'm going to go up and shoot some camels and donkeys with it uh, in the Northwest. Uh, that'd be a good laugh. Uh, mate's got one. I thought, yeah, I'll get one too. And you wouldn't believe it, the 180 grain ballistic silver tips, mate. They're just they're the ducks, mate. They are really good. They're good fun. Yeah. So what yeah, you've been using that yeah. one recently, have you? Yeah, mate. Yeah. So um, getting up and about with that and uh, having a bit of a play. I've spent a bit of. She's got a bit of a bark on it, so it's down at uh, the firearm shop at, my, at the at the moment. My um, sponsors are, are looking after me. They're going to put a uh, muzzle brake on it and uh, turn it into a girl's gun for me. And um, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll get up and about. I don't want to flash it up too much. You know, it's a it's a gun. It's got a, it's a tool. It's got a job, and its job is to get some meat on the table, and that's what I'm going to use it for. Yeah. What's been happening with the Hunting, what's it like being over in WA? What's the situation? Any any good hunting opportunities? Obviously not much in regards to public land at this stage, but what's happening over there? No, there's not There's not much. It's all private property. But um, look, I, when you say that, you know, uh, is there much hunting in WA? Uh, it depends how you look at it. It depends how you want to look at it. Uh, people say, well, there's no deer over here. Yeah, yeah, there is. You've got to get out and look for them. Yeah, further up north, you know, the big – the bigger stations, you've got to go out there and do your groundwork. It's like anywhere. You've got to go and knock on some doors. You've got to get out and about. Uh, some camels and donkeys up north. There's a fair few goats up there. But the good thing about it too, we're close to the coast. You can get out there, get a bit of seafood. Not hunt for the seasons, mate. So get out and get a bit of seafood, get a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of, bit of fish, uh, get a varied uh, a diet, as to speak, and uh, change it around a little bit. Uh, you know, a bit of crabbing or prawns or fish or shellfish or whatever. Uh, and then when it gets a little bit um, cooler in the cooler months, head north and go and get some goats, go and get a few rabbits, uh, you know, look around. There, there's op- Like anywhere, there's always going to be hunting properties or hunting uh, opportunity. 
the 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 thing is to get out and go and find them. What about recipes? What have you been developing? I, I've been seeing a bit of this uh, bacon jam. <laughs> that looks quite knew, nice. Mate, that, that's uh, what do you want to say? You call it unicorn shit, mate. That's yeah. uh, yeah, bacon jam. Mate. It is. It is the best. It looks a bit better than shit, but it looks oh, really nice. But... <laughs> it looks a bit tasty. It's, it, it's magical, mate. It really is. It's yeah. Um, yeah so I had uh, four four bellies of bacon, and I, I cut them up. And that's a lot of if you if you've ever done bacon before, that's a fair bit of bacon. And um, and I've got no room in my freezer, so I did the bacon, and um, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll cryovac it all. I, you know, I thought I was going really well. That was good. Opened the freezer door, couldn't fit him in the freezer. Wow. So uh, what else am I going to do? So I thought, I know, I'll make some bacon jam uh, into the frying pan with uh, lots of onion and I caramelised that onion, a little bit of butter. Uh, then I threw in uh, lots of, a bit of water but lots of sugar So uh, to make it, to, to jam it up. Uh, uh, there was probably a kilo maybe half a kilo to a kilo of sugar went in there and uh, chopped bacon and, and chopped that bacon up really fine, rind and all, get a little bit chunky there, like a uh, more like a chutney sort of thing, but it, it threw it all in and boiled it up, uh, a little bit of setting sugar in there or gelat- a tiny little bit of gelatin and, um, and she came out perfect, mate, absolutely, on toast, nice, that sweet, meaty toast in the morning. Oh, there's a line of people at my front door now wanting the bacon jam, mate. They're everywhere, mate. If you didn't live Every, in WA, wants to go at it. I'd be already over your house if I if I if you didn't live in WA. <laughs> I get that every time, mate. Eh? No, that's fine. That's fine. Next time I see you, I'll uh, we're having bacon jam sandwiches, mate, for sure. Damn right we are, mate. What are the biggest <laughs> thing people are doing wrong with game meat? You know, like especially in the preparation process. You know, low fat content. Tell us about. Best way, because people, yeah. as you know, I've given it to people. They you know, turn their, they don't even want to try it because they turn their nose up at it. I just give it to them and don't tell them, then tell them afterwards is always the best way. But what's the best way to make it taste good? Well, the biggest, uh, getting back to the question, biggest mistake people make with game meat is, is in the rifle scope. That's where, if I, that's where it all falls down before they even pull the trigger. Um, they shoot the old animal. They shoot the, the worst-looking animal there or the biggest animal and think that it's going to be absolutely nice and tender and juicy and fantastic, just like the butcher shop, just down at, just like uh, down at Hungry Jack's there. It's not going to work. Um, you want to start picking, you know, you, you speak you speak to a farmer and, and he's selling all his lambs, his young lambs, because that's the tender meat, you know. All the old breeding stock are there, but the tender ones he's selling, um, he's going to get the better price for them. They're in better condition. They're young. They're healthy. Uh, you know, they're moving. And, and that's where it starts. So, uh, that's where your tenderness comes in, uh, fat content comes into it as well. Um, and if you if you think that your game meat hasn't got enough fat in it or you're putting it, say, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it, and I get this quite often, my meat, I, I roast the meat, I cook the meat, it's too dry. So change it. So change that cooking method. So wrap it in some bacon or wrap it in some prosciutto or lock it in with a uh, lock that moisture in with a marinade. Uh, marinade that meat first, and then quick sear it as well. Don't don't be a uh, uh, don't cook it, overcook it, thinking you're going to 
um, try and get rid of some magical bug or magical disease you think the meat may have. Because the meat's in fan- most meat's in fantastic condition, and you ta- you find that condition out prior to cutting it up. You know, you check the liver, you check the kidneys, you've you've made sure you've you've made sure you've checked uh, you know the type the size of the game meat. So that's made it. But when you get it to on the table uh, or, or into the frying pan, firstly. Don't overcook it. Don't destroy it. And and that and that's how yeah that's where people fall down with eating game meat. You know oh, we cooked this and we did your recipe. It was tough as old boots. What's no, the better Dad, method? What about the the, cooking time? the um, marinating or say the wrapping it in baking? What gives it the best sort of less dryness? Is it the marinade? Well, it depends. It depends what you're cooking. Uh, so you know you were telling me about those little venison, uh, the backstrap, and you and you slice them up. The medallions there, you slice them up into medallions. Uh, yeah, well, if you cut those medallions into um, like a cut it a thick medallion, and then go halfway through that medallion and butterfly it out, right? Give it a little tap with, give it a tap with a meat mallet to make it a little bit like a bigger flat medallion, and then quick sear it, bang! Give it a quick sear into a hot frying pan, right? Not too much, just quickly. You want to you want to hear that sizzle, mate? A little bit of butter in there, a little bit of oil, butter would be perfect. A little bit of oil. Give it a quick sear on the paper to rest. As it's resting, make a little uh, sauce or maybe um, deglaze your frying pan with a little bit of, uh, say, some garlic, a little bit of red wine, and your veggies are already cooked. Plate your veggies up. While you're plating the veggies up, that uh, red wine and that uh, garlic, that bit of butter there, you're deglazing that pan, you're getting all those venison flavour out, and then that venison, that fillet that you've rested, you've just seared it really quickly, Tip that over the, that that uh, sauce. Put that on the plate. Tip that sauce, that butter and red wine sauce, and that over the top of that medallion, over the top of your veggies. There you have your juices back into that. You haven't unlocked. You haven't boiled or stewed the hell out of that uh, that medallion. You've just quick seared it. You've locked that moisture into it, and you're putting a little bit of sauce over the top of it. That's your flavour, that special flavour that you wanted. Perfect. Say if you wanted to do a roast, uh, you know, and you thought it's a very big roast but we want to keep the moisture in. So you're going to maybe lay something over the top of that roast, maybe some bacon pieces or something to keep that moisture in. Uh, slow cook that roast or, say, a venison leg, okay? Uh, you could put uh, cut, it, cut it into your main primal cuts, slow cooker, uh, with maybe a another thing, uh, a red wine would go or a, um, you know, a gravy in there, that barbecue-flavoured gravy or a jalapeno gravy or something into that, uh, slow cooker, and you're going to slow cook that, break that muscle down. Uh, if you wanted to roast it, say wrap it into quickly roast it, and and set it, and then maybe wrap it into a foil, or or, or put a bit of alfoil around that roast and roast it that way, or uh, you know maybe a mix um, of something that you could like a um, like a chimichurri or something. You could just spread over the top of that, you know, some crushed up leaves, uh, a little bit of olive oil, some salt, some chili and then pat that over the top. So you've got a bit of a coating all around that roast and slow roast it that way, uh, locking in in a bit of that moisture, then wrap it in some foil when you know that um, when you know that's, that, that moisture is locked into it. Put a bit of foil over the top of that frying pan, that roast pan, and lock it in. If, obviously, getting your books is, is, is one way too. And where do, people, where do you learn all this stuff anyway about preparing it this way? Just trial and error? I say I say this to a lot of people. I say, oh, how did you learn all this stuff? I said, well, my dad taught me to hunt and uh, my mum taught me to cook and evolution taught me to eat. 
So it's just it's just a matter of trial and error, mate. I've made a lot of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I've stuffed up a lot of game, mate. Um, you know, but it's it's all about uh, looking at cooking shows on television, thinking I could do that same cooking show with a little bit of uh, game meat, or I could do that. You know, looking through a recipe book and go, oh, lamb stir fry. What about if I put goat in there instead and have a go at that goat and maybe just cook it that little bit different? Cook maybe. Uh, bring that cooking time down a little bit or lengthen that cooking time to your desire, same ingredients as in that recipe, you know. So you can chop and change recipes. You can adapt recipes just to use game meat. It's the same as you can buy my books, and they're all game meat in my books, but you just chop and change then my recipes if you don't like game meat to to normal meat. You know, it's about experimenting. It's about playing with flavours and taste. And um, sure, I've made some mistakes. I'm not going to lie to anyone, mate. I'm, I'm super honest when it comes to what I do because I've got nothing to hide. I'm, what what you see with me is what you get. You know, honest cooking, and 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 that's how it is. It's it's about uh, playing around with all sorts of cooking, mate. It's about playing around and, and experimenting. Try it all out. Have you been getting onto any rabbits recently or anything or no? I got rid of me ferrets, and that's probably the worst thing I did, mate. It's got rid of me ferrets. Um, I love them. I absolutely love the ferrets. I sold me, uh, I sold me ferrets, and I'm kicking myself. Although I don't mind shotgunning a few rabbits or shooting with a 22 or getting out there having a walk in the bush. Ferrets are a great way of getting some rabbits, mate. And I love my rabbit dishes. You know, um, there was they're, they're a really versatile game, mate. You can fry them, you can deep fry them, you can cook them. You make a little rabbit terrine with them. You can stuff them and full whole roast them. Uh, so they go beautiful in the slow cooker with lots of, you know, those basic flavours, bacon, bacon, maple, rabbit, um, you know, all those sorts of, you know, strong flavours in it. And uh, I've got to get back into it. I've really got to get out there and, and get some more rabbit. Mate, your ferrets would be pissed off right about now, wouldn't they, going, mate? Dad sold us <laughs> on to someone else. Now, now he's regretting <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I reckon they're on holidays in the Bahamas, mate. I used to give them a good eye, but no, not good eye. But it, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're happy to be they'd gone, be but maybe it was the opposite. They'd be, yeah, they'll be working for their money. Yeah, they're happy they're gone, I reckon. They're, yeah, they're on holidays at the moment. Yeah. Which, uh, no, no, it's more good, rabbit I, I, do enjoy, I do enjoy a little bit of rabbit. Yeah, no, that's certainly a good meat too. What about, um, okay, let's talk about the social medias and all that. Where do people contact the books, the whole kit and caboodle, website, etc.? For sure, mate, for sure. So uh, website, I'll just give you a quick spiel. Website, www.huntcatchcook.com.au. Um, Facebook page, please jump on and give us a like. I've got a Facebook page. It's got a massive following on it, if you know that. Um, and I'll share some links of your stuff on mine and vice versa. You know, jump on there, give it a share, give it a like, guys. Thanks for – I hope they got a, I hope everyone got a heap of benefit out of this podcast, mate, number four, bloody record holder, but that's all right. Um, look, also on um, Instagram, I've got a massive uh, – yeah, I love my Instagram. Get on there. It's, it's um, got a good following on there too. And um, I've also got a Facebook group that I um, that we share recipes. We talk to each other in the group. Uh, a lot of different things go in the group, so um, I, I get a little bit of uh, feedback on the, on that. Um, but yes, yeah, so, social media wise, uh, YouTube. I'm just starting to. It's pretty basic at the moment. My YouTube. So I'm just starting to get into that. I've just, as I said, I've done my kitchen. 
So, um, you know, keep an eye out on YouTube. Uh, subscribe. It's going to go off, mate. That's the next big thing. I just want to uh, – my live cooking also on Facebook. So I really want to get into that, mate. What are you going to talk about? The, I guess that's more of the new thing on the, the YouTube. What are you going to be concentrating about on there, just making recipes or what are you going to concentrate on? Yeah, I, I wanted to break into – you know, that's the funny thing with um, with YouTube, with that uh, – there's, you know, the, obviously hunting, there's a graphic content into it. Um, I wanted to really show people how to cook. Uh, how to cook game meat as well, you know, specialise in that game meat cooking. Uh, everyone going out getting the meat, it, as I said, was fairly graphic and I'd only market it to the hunters if that was the case. Uh, I can market it to people that would then uh, – I can market what I do and I could I could help hunting better if I also market it to people that were going to cook the meat. And half the time that's your missus because uh, the hunters comes home and goes, look what I shot and then just dumps it on the bench and uh, and wants the <laughs> wife to cook it all up, mate. So unlike you and me where we have to do it ourselves, uh, you know, the wives and girlfriends or partners or mums have to do a lot too. Uh, if the hunter comes home and says, hey, here, here's the rabbit that I shot, check out this guy on uh, Facebook or this Hunt Catch Cook or Australian Hunting Podcast or whatever, he's got a good recipe, uh, it might be a win-win situation for everyone. If it gets people out and about, it gets them more hunting. If it gets a bit of exposure to hunting, uh, the firearms industry, my sponsors, you know, the meat business, mate, why not? I'm all for it. I'll give it a go. So uh, what I want to do in my studio is a lot more of that cooking, uh, and I think I can capture what I do a little bit better towards the public because of that. Have you got any people to give you a hand filming, or are you just going to sort of try and do it all yourself? <laughs> well, my son, uh, I was – yeah, he's, hopefully he's going to give me a hand. Um, he's a bit of a guru when it comes to editing and he's going down that road. He's only young at the moment. He's going down that editing road, that filming road, and he, he likes his YouTube stuff and he messes about with it and loves a bit of filming. So although it's going to probably cost me a lot of money, Jace, I can see that. You know what kids are like, mate. Uh, <laughs> they won't do anything unless there's, you, you fill in their pockets. But hopefully, mate, um, yeah, you'll give me a hand. I can, you know, it's the family. It's what we do. It's it's in the blood. So hunting. That's right. Mate, even, you can even try and get him some stardom, you know, get him on there maybe occasionally. Who knows, eh? Oh, sure. Yep, for sure, mate. I'll get him uh, Get him in amongst it. Uh, uh, she, she, loves the, um, she loves cooking uh, in the kitchen, and I'm trying to get her on film and get her cooking and stuff. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, she's a bit shy of it. Uh, still loves to get in the kitchen, mate. We make some cakes. We have a father and daughter time and get that uh, mixer going, a bit of pizza dough or something or some cupcakes or mess around, mate, with a bit of banana bread or something, and, and we're having fun. So they'll grow into it. You know, I don't expect it overnight, mate, but the kids, uh, you know, the kids helping me out and they're starting to to uh, kind of get into it that way. But, um, yeah, it's good. I enjoy it, mate. I enjoy I enjoy what, as I said, I'm passionate about what I do and uh, it's not going to die down. These vegans, uh, you know, they give you a little bit of uh, stick every now and then. But, uh, yeah, you can't you can't stop it, mate. You can't stop what I do. If they want to protest, just go stop eating. <laughs> do us all a favour, stop eating. Yeah, just Bernaline. stop eating, yeah. <laughs> the be- best way to protest, mate. Um, you know, I'm a, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I could, I could uh, talk. We could be here for hours if I start on that subject. But even even people that I talk to, you know, they're they're you know always saying certain things. I mean, I talked. I got a couple of guys that I know that are sort of don't eat meat and this and that. And I said, well, you know, if you if you're big on that and you're big on the environment and climate change, well, why are you driving a big Yank tank car? Why are you using your phone? Yeah, that's why are right. You, yeah, you know, change the yep. Yeah, cut yeah. off your electricity at home, mate. You know, run renewables. <laughs> oh no, we don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, oh, it starts yeah. with me paying more tax, doesn't it? Of course it does. You know. And, not That's actually right, you guys exactly actually right, Judge. Exactly not actually right. you guys doing something, but anyway. Um, all right, Jason Spencer, Hunt Catch Cook. Um, thanks for joining me here on AHP. Again, number four. Uh, he's currently Jason. got the gold medal. <laughs> Jason Selms, thank you very much, mate. I love what you do. Uh, you are I think uh, hunting is in debt to people like you, mate. I really do. I uh, I have a lot of admiration for you. And, uh, mate, once again, thanks very much, Jase. It has been a pleasure talking to you, and I love doing the podcast, mate. I really do. Look out. Be very close. Number five will be soon. I can guarantee it. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.